there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Well, we, we did confirm that Dr. Batar is not wearing a bra today, so he's free and welcome to be here on his special day each and every week, Advanced Medicine Monday, the Medical Rewind, Dr. Batar. Hey, Robert. I'm not sure what this bra thing is, but I'm just going to pretend like I know and go along for the ride. <laughs> it's, na- it's like National No Bra Day. Uh, and you know the thing is, it's ironic about that because so much of the pink washing that happens in October about the Komen race for the non-cure they would never get behind something like this that would actually loosen the restrictions for lymphatic drainage, which is a big reason why we don't encourage women to wear very tight, constrictive bras. This has nothing to do with uh, being, quote-unquote, no pun intended, titillating, but literally for a health, from a health perspective. What did Robert have to drink before the show? Sorry. What? What? I'm rubbing off on him a little bit, I think. What did I say? No, actually, it's true. The bras are very constrictive, and any type of uh, clothing that's constrictive can not only obstruct lymphatics, but also cause other types of issues. You know, one of the biggest problems with reflux, for example, is that people wear pants that are too tight, uh, clothes that are too tight, belts that are too tight. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's there's a lot of issues with wearing tight, restrictive clothing, and you know, we've talked about this before, Robert, but if there was one thing that you can classify cancer as besides the fact that it's toxicity and malnourishment uh, on a on a molecular or cellular level is that mm. it's stagnation of chi, it's stagnation of energy, it's lymphatic right. obstruction, lymphatic uh, restriction. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, a you know pool of water that, that remains stagnant, of course, becomes a cesspool for infection and disease, whereas movement and the movement of fluids through the body, whether it be bloodstream or lymphatic movement, as you said, all throughout the body, is of course, that is life, that is health. And by the way, Super Don, that was not on my wall. It turns out it was on our friend Roseanne Lindsay's wall that, that was posted that. Yeah, I got corrected. There was there was a very long reaction uh, on Facebook uh, to the no t- no bra day, and right. I, I incorrectly said it was on your wall. It was on Roseanne Lindsay's wall. I don't know what I so. think about that. When you think of no bras, you think of Robert Scott Bell's wall. That's not a good sign, Super Don. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but I'll tell you what. I, I appreciate the fact that you know everything that you've been saying so far about not wearing re- restrictive clothing because i i'm right now just doing the show in just my boxers so i'm wearing no restrictive clothing this is actually very healthy and i think i'll just wear my pajamas all day now and i i think that that'll guarantee my health right you've got dr batar's well, endorsement on that i'm just trying to figure out what you both smoked before you got on the show <laughs> well it's funny you should say that because we just interviewed a guy who's talking about uh legalizing cannabis in oregon uh, last hour maybe that that's what happened so <laughs> we're already having a good time here on the show with dr batar now dr batar of course the ebola thing as we said last week i asked you this all-important question how many of your patients were in a panic over this issue uh in the last week has there been anybody that brought it up now that i kind of brought it to your attention not one single one yet that I have, that patients that I've seen. In fact, nobody's ever brought it up. Now, I haven't even had any family members bring it up. I haven't had any staff bring it up. I haven't had any patients bring it up. So maybe they just already, I've got them 
so well indoctrinated and mind, <laughs> you know, controlled and brainwashed right. that they already know that it's uh, it's all about the toxicity and the state of your nourishment and you know how clean your body is and and the rest of it is uh, you know you deal with it as you need to and and it's relatively mm-hmm. um, simple if you have the tools you know if you have access I mean I'll tell you there's nothing that there's nothing that will survive ozone. I mean, I don't care what it is, ozone will kill it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. I, you know, I, we've talked, we've done many shows on ozone over the years, and, and you talk about one of the most powerful things is, is oxygen in the, in the release form of ozone and how it can eradicate any infectious disease very rapidly. It also breaks down the chemicals and the persistent organic pollutants and allows the body to actually clear them. The, the <clears throat> chemicals that the body can't process out due to the... Um, the morphological structure of these chemicals, the P450 cytochrome um, C, the, the, in fact, even the P53 chromosome anomalies that you see with cancer, with the dysregulation of cancer, a lot of these different components are all elicited from chemicals. And these chemicals, you know, from everything from the toluenes and the benzenes to the organophosphates and the fluorinated hydrocarbons, these chemicals have a dramatic impact on the system, and, and we just can't clear them. Once we get exposed to them, the body can't readily clear them. And ozone, in the German literature, in fact, that's the biggest reason I started using it, was because in the German literature it talks about the use of ozone to help break down these compounds, what we call POPs, persistent organic pollutants. They're called persistent organic pollutants because they persist in the body. And the ozone will actually break them down and allow them not to be persistent anymore. So they become... Um, essentially broken down to the subunits so the body can clear itself uh, of these toxins. And so many of these different components that we're talking about, you know, these are the reasons that people end up being susceptible to opportunistic, what I call opportunistics in my in my book, and that's the bacteria, the viruses, the spirochetes, the mycoplasma, the yeast, anything, the parasites, mm-hmm. anything that needs an opportunity to set up house. But ozone will definitely kill Ebola will kill any type of uh, bacteria, virus. And we've talked about also how the mechanism of how ozone works, but um, suffice it to say that it is so detrimental, uh, but it also causes... Um, you know, this, is, this is actually kind of interesting, Robert. I just thought of this, because some people may go think, wait a second, don't you give ozone? And I do give ozone, but I give ozone because it's being used as not only an antibiotic, antiviral, antispirochete, antimicroplasma, anti-yeast, antiparasitic, um, given intravenously, but it also helps to break down these chemicals, these persistent organic foods, so the body can um, continue to function correctly. But it's also detrimental to the system if inhaled or if taken into the system in a certain way. So uh, maybe we have enough time to like, cover the quick path uh, physiology of how it works. Yeah, absolutely. We got a few minutes before our first break. So uh, this doc, if you're new to the show, particularly on Mondays, we do Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar, the Medical Rewind. If you miss a show, medicalrewind.com is linked up in the show notes. You'll see it there. Click on his picture, as well as uh, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. That's the book that is so phenomenal. It, it's the gift of healing that keeps on giving. And by the way, Dr. Bittar is starring tonight in the TV show online. Thanks to Ty Bollinger, the quest for the cures continues right after the show this evening uh so i'm very excited about that i've already seen it dr Bittar, and, and uh, you did you were rocking so give us some more physiological pathways on ozone utilization well but essentially what happens is the ozone think of a fireman walking down through a tunnel and uh a burst of you know the movies a burst of fire that comes down there's an explosion there's a burst of fire that comes down the tunnel think of that as the ozone it's coming down the tunnel 
and it's going to come and it's basically going to kill, burn everything in its path. Well, the healthy cells, the red blood cells, the cells that are normal, they are like the firemen that's walking through this tunnel. So obviously we don't want to hurt the firemen. And so essentially the healthy cells have a substance called catalase peroxidase uh, inside them that abnormal cells, uh, mutated cells, cancer cells, virus, bacteria, spirochetes do not have. They don't have catalase and peroxidase. So the catalase and peroxidase is essentially like a fire retardant blanket that the healthy cells are able to pull over themselves uh, and prevent any damage from that burst of fire that comes through, which is ozone in this case. And basically, once it comes through and cleans out the system, it's amazing how your blood, which looks dark, brownish, black is almost in some patients, depending on how toxic they are, well, after you ozonate the blood, is bright red. It's exactly how you would expect blood to look. It's because the ozone went in there and just basically cleaned everything. And ozone is actually used in, in uh, industrial applications for cleaning everything from uh, refurbishing cars that people have smoked in to uh, cleaning out houses uh, because ozone will kill uh, many of these different, not only opportunistics, but also will break down these chemicals so that they can dissipate yeah. in the environment and get out of the Dr. Bichar, get out of the house, get out of wherever. Years ago, when I uh, finished my basement, when I was living in, in Atlanta, I, uh, you know, I put in a carpet, you know, down down in the basement, and it, I, it was on a cement slab, and so I glued it down, and it was outgassing horribly. So I cranked up an ozone machine, and in 24 hours, it was it was gone. All the formaldehyde that was outgassing, it was just eaten up, and it was like a carpet that had been in there for years. So to your point, it's a very powerful, and I, I guess you could say taking out these uh, uh, volatiles, from the environment, it's very powerful at doing so. It really is. The only problem is that if you inhale ozone, it will make you very sick. It'll actually give you a headache within probably five to ten seconds of inhalation, and it can be quite toxic if it's inhaled. So it has to be used in a manner where it doesn't do any damage. And the reason that we use it um, intravenously is because that it's, it's a closed system and when done correctly and done the right way, it's very effective at cleaning up the blood and getting rid of these chemicals. So it's one of the, it, it doesn't have any effect towards metals, obviously, but mm-hmm. from the second toxicity, the chemicals, and the third toxicity, the opportunistics, you know, it's a very, very effective form of treatment. And it's been used for literally for, you know, decades upon decades. And even very well reputed medical schools now, Baylor, College of Medicine, uh, Mayo Clinic, they've been doing research for at least the last decade, if not more, on mm-hmm. the use of ozone in clinical medicine. Yes, and yet we hear nothing of it in regards to this so-called Ebola outbreak. It's only about chlorine disinfecting with bleach and ignoring the fact that ozone is already accepted even in the medical community to address many of these issues. Now, speaking of Ebola and the issue of, of Koch's postulates, that's K-O-C-H, Koch, uh, these idea that this idea that was accepted by modern medicine and mu- much of the, the scientific community that you had to have certain things in place to be able to identify one thing as the infective agent, the thing that caused the infection. And I don't believe that Koch's postulates are being met with the so-called Ebola outbreak, particularly because all of the victims, and there aren't many here in the United States, we've got about a minute before break, but I just want to bring this up, have been identified as being definite Ebola, by PCR, polymerase chain reaction, taking a fragment of genetic material of unknown origin and amplifying it hundreds of millions of times. Should you not, Dr. Batar, be able to isolate out of the blood of an Ebola victim thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of replicant copies of this virus if it was really the cause of the infection? Well, of course, but then by that 
argument you should be also able to see um, many of these other substances that are blamed for causing all these problems, right? The Ebola is just one of them, but you're right. You can apply that same argument to pretty much everything in medicine because, you know, you're talking about Koch's postulates not being followed. I would ask you, where in medicine have you seen Koch's postulates being followed? <laughs> That's a great question. We'll see if we can go more into that with Dr. Rashid Bittar. He's brilliant. We love him. He's doing great work. His book, International Bestseller, The Nine Steps, to keep the doctor away, linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com each and every week. And if you miss a show, through all of our podcast outlets for free, as well as Medical Rewind, get you right to Dr. Bittar, medicalrewind.com. Check it out. We'll be back, talk more about Ebola, Coke's postulates, and other infections that might not even be infections. Stick around. We'll be right back. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. There is a reason why what we do on Mondays with Dr. Batar is called advanced medicine. Because, honestly, most of the medical doctors out there, I, I think we need to get, have to unlearn them what they've learned to, to understand what we're talking about here. And I think the people that haven't been, let's say, so corrupted, and there are very few of them, because not just to pick on doctors, Dr. Batar, but the whole Western world has adopted this idea that the germ is everything, the terrain means little or nothing, and therefore running running scared and doing stupid things in a panic because of this Ebola scare. Yeah, but I think, Robert, to give people what's, you know, rightly their, their due, it's not, it's not their fault. It's the use of a tool by those that are in power to manipulate the masses. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? In other words, it's it's not the people's fault that they're being. It's it's like anything else, like cancer. You know, the word cancer is over the last maybe fifty, sixty years. The word has almost been contorted into a way of emasculating an individual, of essentially just ripping their life source right out of their chest. Because as soon as a person hears you have cancer, they are labeled now with a death sentence. And so it's just like that. It's, it's any any one of a number of things when people when, when the when people are labeled with it, and it basically takes their power away because it renders them helpless. And I think if there's anything that we're doing on this show, which is which is why I appreciate it so much, is that we're actually giving people, as you say, you know, the power to heal is yours. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just the power to heal the body; it's the power to heal the mind, power to heal the, the spirit, and it's empowerment with that knowledge that allows an individual to now understand that. Wait a second, I'm not gonna. Uh, be rendered helpless. I'm, this isn't a death sentence. I'm not going to. Uh, I don't. I have choices, and I have my own power. I don't have to give up what I have. Right. 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 No, it's it's so well said. And and you know, I was talking about last hour, and I think you acknowledged a little bit about that with this Ebola. Um, I say you're more likely to be sick of Ebola than actually sick with Ebola or from Ebola because of what they're trying to do. This is a mind game. This is a psychological operation. It's On one level, it's a softening of the public to accept drugs and vaccines that are largely experimental and always detrimental. And, of course, this concept of medical martial law. Now, on the break, we were just discussing, and you added to that mix what you also perceive, and I think this is very important for people to hear. 
and we'll discuss this some more. What your your perception of this fear mongering from the government, from the medical kind of industrial complex police state? Yeah, I think it's going to be used to keep people outside of the country, keep people inside the country. It's going to use to be used as an excuse to restrict uh, travel and and close down the borders. And uh, you know, I think exactly what you just said. This uh, manipulation of of the Ebola to try to control the masses, and it's not anything new, Robert. They did this with H one N one. They've done this with you know various types of vaccines throughout the ages. They've done this with. Uh, with, with with a whole slew of different components that we can actually uh, point to, um, and that's probably going to be a tactic that's going to continue. The only way to get beyond this and to make yourself immune to this tactic is empowerment by knowledge. You you learn, you understand, and. Once you have been empowered with knowledge, you can no longer be the victim, and they can't take advantage of you. And so that's really what it comes down to. The problem is, in, in all honesty, though, that things such as ozone and the other solutions that are out there, they're not readily available to the mass. That's where the problem lies. Right, right. You know, th- we talk about the, the concept of using silver in the interim, and also silver and oxygen work well together. But, we, you know, it's not like we want to limit people to say, oh, only ozone. If you don't get up ozone, you're going to die. No, there are other things that we've talked about for, for years here together. That will also help and work, but the bottom line is this fundamental concept of the terrain, that when you are strong, even if exposed to this so-called virus that may or may not even be real in here in the same way they'd like you to believe it is, you have an ability to withstand, or even if you succumb to it, you'll be strong enough to overcome it with the natural tools that we talk about here. And the natural tools are, you know, we've talked about them quite a few times, but I'll give you an example of a natural tool, something that you should, that everybody, I believe, should do, that every human being on this planet should be doing, and that is exercising, okay? It doesn't mm-hmm. cost anybody anything. It costs maybe 15, 20 minutes every other day. Uh, yes, it costs some sweat, maybe a little bit of pain, mm-hmm. but it's all free. It doesn't cost any money. You can achieve it anywhere. You can, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. You don't need any special equipment. And when you exercise, it increases your natural killer cells, matches your immoral immunity, and that's a first main step to to prevent any type of opportunity from causing a problem in your body. Well said. When we come back, we'll talk more about the fact that they are hoping that you beg for closed borders and beg for medical martial law. That's the game. That's the end game. We'll discuss it a little bit more and phony infections after this. Um, Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. You're amazing. You are something else. Robert Scott Bell. Bell. He has both style and substance. Robert Scott Bell. 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 How much power do talk radio hosts really have? This is transformational. And it's awesome. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to keep up with Dr. Batar. I was doing jump squats on the break, Dr. Batar. You know, you mentioned the exercise, the free. But, you know, I was like, dude, why don't I do it? We got five minutes on the break. I'm doing some jump squats. <sighs> Heart rate is up. It's a good thing. Thank you for the reminder. Well, that's good. I went for a run before the show, so 
I'm just trying to get my heart rate back down right now. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just hoping I wasn't going to jump into the microphone and knock it off of its uh, banner there, but uh, we're good, we're good. Now, I want to go back really quick to the border issue, because this is interesting. I've often said about the legitimacy of having borders and protecting those borders is based on immunological, biological realities, right? The cell has its own border, and it knows what is good for it to allow it in, and it knows what it needs to also allow out when it's been used, the waste, for instance. And I'm thinking on a political level, should we not also make that rightful discrimination about things coming in are here to benefit as opposed to detract or intoxicate or poison? So there is a legitimate mechanism or means to say defense is part of our Constitution, right? But not permanent offense. That's like having a body in a state of autoimmunity where it's attacking anything and everything right or wrong. And that's an aberration of the concept. And I think we're more operating in a state of autoimmunity, killing things before they kill us that may never have intended to kill us. But now that we're trying to kill them, they're going to go, we're going to defend ourselves. We're going to try and kill you. So we're, we're just kind of messed up in our thinking from immuno- immunology out to, you know, defense of the nation. Yeah, I think, um, again, it's one of those things, Robert, that, I think we're out of balance in everything. We look at economics, we look at uh, spiritual, we look at family values, we look at morality, we look at medicine, we look at health, we look at wellness, we look at education. You know, pretty much it's uh, the same things are problematic in, across all those spectrums, and it's the same same uh, issue. It's apathy, it's uh, this concept of rather than being open and accepting and looking at the possibilities Instead, it's looking at, um, you know, constraints and limiting beliefs, and uh, I'm going to kill them before they kill me type of uh, attitude. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a first-generation immigrant here. I was uh, nine years old when we came to the United States, and I'm all for families coming and people immigrating to the United States. I, I think that's fantastic. I, I don't see any problem with that. What I do see a problem with is when all the people that are being allowed to come into the country, they are... Uh, thieves, uh, ex-convicts, criminals, and these are these are people that were released from the gulags in uh, the former Soviet Union in Russia. They're, they're all over. I mean, not just Russia, all over the world. Criminals are being allowed to come into our country and then take over, and that's that's where the issue is. You know, I overheard a conversation between um, two friends. One was a diehard Republican, and one was a diehard Democrat, and they were just at each other's necks. Uh, about this very issue. And, you know, the first thing I want, I didn't know either one of them, and of course I didn't say anything to them, but the first thing I wanted to tell them was, you know, wake up mm-hmm. and look at what you're arguing about. This is all an illusion, first of all. And then secondly, yes. you know, the the issue, if you're going to talk about the issue, then this is what the issue is. You know, you can't blanket and say, oh, immigration is bad or immigration is good. I mean, immigration is exactly that. We want to bring in better people to make a country a better place for everybody. We don't want to open up our borders and let people that other countries won't allow because they were criminals then. They kick out their crap and, you know, we take it. Well, yeah, that's that's just plain uh, self-destructive as a nation. Now, yeah. as you said, it's an illusion, right? The right-left paradigm, them fighting each other in the back rooms, they're patting each other on the behind. And, you know, we're seeing the incompetence, perhaps, of the Obama administration. We're not big fans of Obama. At the same time, people are now clamoring and calling for shutting down the borders based on their inability to contain Ebola, but first and foremost, we got to ask the question, is it really Ebola? Is it really one virus? And I am not convinced that it is based on what we talked about earlier. 
But we can't have that conversation because we're already in the assumption mode because the medical authorities are demigods and they are granted a pass. You can't question them. And then you got dunderheaded medical doctors who pretend to be reporters like Nancy Snyderman who just say, get the damn shot and trust the government and shut up. And these are the people that are paid millions of dollars a year to speak the party line, to keep convincing people that everything is fine, whatever we do. And I think what's happening here is, like you said, the play is that the Republicans are going to come into power and they're going to do the exact opposite of Obama and they'll shut the borders down. Not legitimately, not based on a real threat, but on the perception of the threat based because the doctor complex has both sides by the you-know-what. Yeah, yeah, let's put it all in perspective for a second. If there are people that are listening to the show right now, you have to ask yourself a question. Am I worried about Ebola or am I not worried about Ebola? If you are not worried about Ebola, I commend you and tell you to sit back, watch a good movie, and have a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> yes, I know it's got sugar in it. Organic, raw, 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 raw. please, at least. That's right, organic, you know, non-homogenized, not pasteurized raw milk base. Okay, that's yes. how we make our ice cream. Yes. Now... If you are worried about Ebola, then I'm going to ask you a question. We know that one out of every two Americans, uh, males, and one out of every three American females prior to Fukushima, as of 2000, the year 2000, and prior to that, even 1999, uh, were already going to be told sometime in their life that they had cancer. This is prior to Fukushima. Now, after Fukushima, with, the, with all the uh, radiation that's been heading eastward, it's estimated that by the year 2020, every American will have, every North American, Canada, Mexico, U.S., will have cancer sometime in their life. Now, why are we worried about Ebola and not worried about the leading cause of death that's taking uh what is going to end up affecting every single person on this planet, uh, in an in industrialized world, at least in North America. And some will say, well, you know, that's a slow process, and we're talking about something that can kill you right away. Well, guess what? You can get in your car, and you can get hit. There are more people that are dying from car accidents. There are more people that are dying from falls from ladders. There are more people that are dying from all these other things. Just think about it. How many people have died from Ebola? You know, what their claim is and what's real, we don't know. But they're claiming, I think, one has definitely died here in the U.S. But again, I dispute that based on the fact that they haven't shown me the test that said, Robert, yep, let's, we've... Let's, say, let's, let's say, make it different. Let's, say, let's give them a thousand that died. All right? Let's say a thousand people have died from Ebola in the United States. We know it's not a thousand. We know they haven't even tried to say it's a thousand. Not even a hundred, not even ten. But let's just say it's a thousand. It still dwarfs the number of people that are dying from other things all the time. Number of people that are dying from overdose. Number of people that are dying from heart attack. Number of people that are dying from cancer. Number of people that are dying from homicide, from suicide, from... Yeah. Medical drugs, FDA-approved. Yeah, look at drugs. 263,000 people every year die from the approved use of, appropriate use of medicines that were prescribed by the doctor. And we're worried about something that's killed one or three or five or ten or a hundred or a thousand people. I mean, if you're going to let the media manipulate you um, to that extent, then I would venture to say... There are other problems that you're dealing with than, rather than the issue with illusion and disillusion. Right. And we as a nation and we as a, a world society have bigger issues to deal with. And the, the threat, I mean, when you watch TV, I think everybody should do this. They should do, say the serenity prayer. That's in my book. That's the Alcohol Anonymous Prayer, the serenity prayer. God, mm-hmm. and can I say the prayer, Robert? That's not Yeah, please. No, absolutely. Prayer, right? okay. yeah. I'm being facetious, of course. 
the serenity <laughs> prayer is, God, please give me the ability to change the things that I can change, the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. So to worry about Ebola, you are catering and allowing yourself to become a victim because you are being mesmerized by that big hypnotic box up there that's trying to lure you into thinking a certain way. And the right way of thinking when somebody talks about Ebola is like, okay, so what? If, if I get Ebola, guess what? That's the, it must have been my time. Because the chances of me getting Ebola versus the chances of me getting hit by a car, I can get hit by a car a hell of a lot more likely mm-hmm. than get, get Ebola. So right, put right. it into perspective and, you know, as we said in the Army, you know, move on. Move on. And let's look at that perspective in Africa. If you if the you put the average American in the middle of of uh, you know some some of the harshest parts of Western Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, where they have no running water, they have no sewage or sanitation, very difficult to have good hygiene, very limited access to adequate nutrition and food, and you know the caloric intake needed to really function at the levels it need be. And you say, who needs Ebola? I mean, there's there so many things that could be happening. They identify it, they image it for you, and then you become frightened like it's a Godzilla monster. They create this, and you become the participant, the willing participant in creating a reality that they shielded your eyes from and, and dropped a new one in. It's like they dropped the curtain down, lifted it, and then look what's there, and they made you imagine it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does, Absolutely. And let's look at the worst-case scenario. Let's say that there really is uh, this virus, Ebola, and let's say that it really is affecting a lot of people, and let's say it's as virulent as they say it is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Still, if you've got something that's killed one or ten or a hundred people, and you've got an everyday situation where people are getting electrocuted from their regular household appliances, hair dryers falling into tubs, I don't know how many thousands of people die every year from that. Okay, I don't remember what the statistics are. Put it into perspective. And there's no reason to, because if, if you're going to worry about Ebola, then you should worry about some part in outer space of some uh, space lab that's blown up and that's going to fall and hit you in the head. <laughs> yes, but in the meantime, we, we, we've got to close all borders. We've got to quarantine everybody. Nobody should move about the cabin. Breathing becomes a hazardous uh, excretory process, and you should wear a mask. I mean, again, it's absurd, but I'm telling you that we need to relate it in this way so that it's like we're counterbalancing so much media misinformation and even a lot in the new media that doesn't get it to this depth to explain it the way you've just done well i guess our um our mandate our mission is different robert right so that's one reason i guess maybe we do it different i don't know <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the things like that, read the nine steps to keep the doctor away. They will also keep Ebola away, whatever that may be. Uh, there was a story out of, as I said, Monrovia, oh, Liberia. Are you, are you, are you implying the doctors what? are like Ebola? <laughs> yes. I mean, listen, they're playing into this, too. And, and, and hey, even some I'm of the holistic. I'm not arguing with you. I yeah. just want to clarify. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just yeah. clarifying. Especially the ones that are still willing to vaccinate you. It's very dangerous. All right, it is outside the box. No, that's Wednesday, but I'm hoping to hear from Ty Bollinger. If you don't watch it tonight, I'll find you. Ty's stuff happens, the quest for the cures, and Dr. Batar is in it. And I've seen his parts. They're fantastic, and I encourage you to watch it. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with Dr. Rashi Batar as we wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday. Remember, if you ever miss a show, easiest way to get it. You want to hear Dr. Batar some more? MedicalRewind.com, linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Back after this. 
Live around the world. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. Before we're done here, uh, you know, Dr. Batar has been putting some really good perspective for folks as far as what they should really be afraid of if they want to choose fear, you know, of, of disease, Ebola, relative risk. Uh, yeah. You just talked about a stat on the break, and I think everybody needs to hear this. Um, yeah, well, just to put things in perspective, uh, did you know that every year 450 people die just from falling out of bed? Did you say what I think you said? Falling out of bed? Falling out of bed, yeah. I was falling asleep when you were saying that. <laughs> no, no. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. I out of a chair. Danger, Will yeah. Robinson. Make I sure mean, you, when you, you look put on at statistics, belt. I mean, statistically speaking, there are so many other things. I mean, 6,000 people die a year from tripping and falling. 6,000. And we're yeah, worried about 6, a bullet. 6,000 people die from tripping yeah. and falling compared and, to... Two people or three people that died from Ebola in the U.S. Right. So, so I think we need to be it's, a lot more concerned about walking. Yeah, well, it's the Ebola virus. Yeah, Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I know it's been that kind of day at this point. I I think I also said because uh, Don, you were telling me earlier that there's the dog of the the latest victim that they're going to treat. And just so long as yeah, as well, there was the, this big uproar over the uh, the person in Spain that came mm-hmm. down with Ebola. They euthanized the dog because they were yeah. worried that it might infect other people. Well, this right. latest the the nurse here in uh, in Texas, yeah, uh, they are not going to euthanize the dog, and many people are applauding that. So he, he doesn't have dog Ebola. Just just no, one right. more chance, just one more no, chance. No, no dog Ebola. <laughs> All right, Robert, all right. Whatever you, whatever you smoked before the show, take, take my medical advice. Don't do it again. <laughs> Don't do it again. Well, save oh, save by the one, save by the tie. Ty, Ty, Ty Bollinger joins us. Hold on, hold on, Right. Hey, Ty Bollinger is on, and can, the, oh. the quest for the cure starts. And, and is it true? Am I just making this up? But uh, Doctor Batar's in this tonight. Yeah, Batar's in it. You're in, and it starts in about what six minutes, guys. Dude, are you nervous? So actually, Ty got Ty got on the show to tell us to shut the hell up so he can start his show. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, guys! Finish. <laughs> I'm like, hey guys, yeah, I'm about to, we're about to go on. Finish your show. No, I'm, I, I was going to call in early. I totally forgot about it. You slacker, Ty. How many people uh, subscribe to us? Uh, we we got right around a hundred thousand at this point, and wow. then um, if it if it goes like we did last spring. By the time that it finishes in about a week, it'll probably double to triple that. So, yeah, we're we're off to a good start. We got about around a hundred thousand initial viewers. Wow! Oh. And you know, wait, you got to subtract that by about one hundred and fifty because falling coconuts cause about one hundred and fifty deaths annually. <laughs> okay. Falling coconuts? Yes, falling coconuts. I, I won't so call it. Falling coconuts, in- walking, and falling out of bed are exponentially more detrimental to your health than Ebola is. Right, so, so that would be that would down. be. I'm sorry, that would be E. Coca. We just got to give these names so people are <laughs> frightened of it. I'm gonna watch Falling Coconuts tonight. No worries. 
All right, Ty, we look forward to being on board talking about the quest for the cures continues uh, this coming week with uh, Outside the Box, my friend. Thank you for checking in and reminding everybody after we're off the air, it starts. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm, I'm really glad to be on the show. And if you haven't signed up yet, go to thetruthaboutcancer.com, sign up, and go. goes on in four minutes, the first episode. Dude, now yeah, I'm nervous. Say that again. How do you sign up? Go to thetruthaboutcancer.com. Enter your name and email, and you'll receive an immediate link to watch the show. And as I was saying, both of these clowns, Robert Scott Bell and Dr. Buttar, are, are on it. And uh, actually, they're not clowns. You know they're very intelligent people. We've <laughs> got a lot of other great doctors being interviewed. So, hey, if so I've sign got up now. all my patients, everybody would want to go to it. So that's all I have to do, send out a link to thecancercures.com, and they can... The truth, the yeah, the truth about cancer dot com. The truth about cancer dot com, and they can set, put their email in. It'll give them an immediate link, and they can watch. Each show is available for twenty four hours, and then it goes away. Uh, and so, get on it right away. Yeah, yeah, and both, and both Doctor Bell and Buttar, Doctor Bell and Doctor Buttar, are in the first episode, so you don't want to miss it. Cool. Awesome. Well, Ty, thanks, man. Get back with the family. I appreciate you ch- reminding us to get off the air. Hey, I'll remind you one more thing. The power to heal is yours. <laughs> You're, hey, man, listen to him stealing our thunder. Look wow. at that, TMB. <laughs> right on TMB, time, dude. Right on cue. Right, and DRB, and RSB, and Super D. Super Don, because TMB now calls you Super D. Well, to go back and listen to today's show. Phenomenal stuff. Dr. Vitar, awesome as always. Uh, alleviating the freer and bringing the vitamin L. Really, there's a lot of love here. Really. In the meantime, Dr. Batar, what do you got to tell him? The power to heal is yours. Amen, brother. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.